You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Jenkins. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm the teaching pastor here at Forefront, and I am grateful for your presence. Um, We have the beautiful snow out, and sometimes it's hard for people to get um, up and running. So for you to be here at worship, in my opinion, is a big deal. So thank you for being here. Um, Happy Valentine's Day, and happy Super Bowl Sunday. So where are the LA? (laughs) LA Rams? Any fans? No? Cincinnati Bengals? Okay, no. Okay, so some people are just not happy about the Super Bowl. All right. Go Giants! All right. (laughs) So um, I'm really thrilled to be continuing our sermon series, The Wander Years, Hunger, a Season of Preparation. So I actually open um, today's sermon with a story which may be triggering for some if you've endured the pain of a premature birth or miscarriage, as I have. So some years ago, um, I get a call from my sister. She was expecting her first child, my youngest sister. And she told me that she was on her way to the hospital because she started having contractions. And I start freaking out, I'm crying, I'm so upset. And the reason I was so upset is because the baby was not fully developed. The fetus was still growing and developing. The lungs were not developed, and I knew that it was not time for the baby to be born. New York City is in an interesting time. I feel a season of preparation as we begin to re-enter society after the pandemic, as we consider how we re-engage with our families, our friends, our workplaces, our communities, our industries, a really interesting time. And New York Governor Kathy Hochul um, is looking forward to us re-entering with a level of sensitivity, consideration, and thoughtfulness and prudence as we make our way back into society during this time. In our story today, Jesus is in a season and a time of preparation. He is moving on to his next phase of ministry. Last week, Reverend Josh talked about Jesus uh, and his boyhood years. Uh, Some time has passed since then. Jesus is now a millennial, and he's about to begin his public ministry. And He has been baptized by his relative, John the Baptist, and a number of people thought that John the Baptist was actually the Messiah. John had been ministering and preaching, um, and his big uh, preachment was focused on preparing the way of the Lord. However, he 
was a man of great influence, so much so that people were thinking that he was the Messiah. And he said, I am not even worthy to tie the Messiah's uh, strap when Jesus came, to, to tie his sandals when Jesus came to be baptized. So he wanted to point everyone to Jesus. And then Jesus, after he was baptized, was full of the Holy Spirit, and then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, which is where our story opens up today. So we're looking at Luke 4, initially, verses 1 through 4. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wild. For 40 wilderness days and nights, he was tested by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when the time was up, he was hungry. The devil, playing on his hunger, gave the first test. Since you're God's son, command this stone to turn into a loaf of bread. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, it takes more than bread to really live. So here we have Jesus in the wilderness for a long time, 40 days and 40 nights, in a place that is uncultivated and uninhabited. When we hear about wilderness experiences as it relates to scripture, it typically represents a place of wandering and a place and a season of searching. 40 days comes up a number of times in scripture. The Israelites spent 40 days wandering in the wilderness. Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights with God on Mount Sinai. Rain fell for 40 days and 40 nights in the story of Noah and the flood. God gave Nineveh 40 days to repent and Jesus remained on earth 40 days after the resurrection, 40 pivotal moments in scripture. So here we have Jesus refraining from food and water for a little over a month. So as it relates to fasting, I'm sure many of you can relate to some type of fasting in your own life. I know um, during the season of Lent, many of us um, fast something. Can anyone relate? Sometimes it's alcohol, sometimes it's sweet, sometimes it's meat, sometimes it's TV, right? A number of things. And then um, what's popular today, and maybe some of you have heard about it, a number of people are doing this to enhance their health and wellness. They're doing intermittent fasting where you eat in patterns and cycles, eat a little bit and then fast for a bit and um, so it's becoming very, very popular, this intermittent fasting. Um, but as it relates to spiritual fasting, ab abstaining from something in the natural sense, um, it's with the hopes of really seeing things more deeply in a spiritual way. I remember when we used to have choir concerts and um, different events at church, we would always, as a group and as a community, set aside time to fast because we really wanted God to move in a very unique and a powerful way. So we, as a group, would spend time fasting. So when this fast was over, Jesus was hungry. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And 
To be quite honest, if any of us tried that, now we probably wouldn't be around to tell it. <laughs> but Jesus, after having fasted for that length of time, was in a vulnerable state. And the devil, the enemy, representative of this evil spirit, takes and tries to take advantage of this and gives Jesus his first test. So Jesus received this test and the others on an empty stomach. And if we think about in the physical sense, it's critical that we eat a nutritious meal and it's so important that we hydrate in order to perform well. Let's be clear, hunger throws us off and causes us to lose focus and it impacts our performance. Hunger and food insecurity impact our bodies, our communities, our nation, and our world. Many college campuses are now opening up food pantries and there was quite a bit of discussion as it related to this because some higher ed professionals were feeling like, well, should universities be the place where we have these food pantries? Shouldn't that be reserved for community centers and things outside of the academic space? But the reality is many students are actually showing up on college campuses hungry. And there was certainly a need, which is why you will see a host of food pantries, uh, well-utilized food pantries, opening up on college campuses. The Black Panther Party, a black nationalist party promoting black power, and they were also committed to ending police brutality, established the Free Breakfast for School Children program to ensure hungry kids had proper nutrition in order to perform well in school. This particular program helped to contribute to the existence of, federal, of the federal free breakfast programs today. And our story continues, picking up at verse five. For the second test, he led him up and spread out all the kingdoms of the earth on display at once. Then the devil said, they're yours in all their splendor to serve your pleasure. I'm in charge of them all and can turn them over to whomever I wish. Worship me and they're yours. The whole works. Jesus refused, again, backing his refusal with Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and only the Lord your God. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. For the third test, the devil took him to Jerusalem and put him on top of the temple. He said, if you're God's son, jump. It's written, isn't it, that he has placed you in the care of angels to protect you. They will catch you. You won't so much as stub your toe on a stone. Yes, said Jesus, and it's also written, don't you dare tempt the Lord your God. That completed the testing. The devil retreated temporarily, lying in wait for another opportunity. So Jesus continues to draw from the Old Testament and he continues to cite Deuteronomy with each and every temptation. Jesus was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Jesus was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. 
I know that scripture has been used to weaponize so many people. I know that scripture has been used to keep people in the margins. The beautiful thing as it relates to progressive theology is that we can take the opportunity to rediscover the scripture for ourselves. We can reclaim the scripture where the scripture is able to minister to us, encourage us, and inspire us. Amen? Amen. So what are some potential hidden messages for us in this story today? It's important to note that Jesus recognized his timing because he could have done any of those things that the devil was trying to tempt him with, but he knew it was not yet his time. And it's important for us to recognize when it's not yet our time. Sometimes we may be tempted to use our power and influence to do things and make change, to satisfy a particular hunger or longing, and it may not be time. Maybe there is some more preparation that is needed. Maybe we're tempted to use our power to deem some people as important while rendering others insignificant. Maybe you're tempted to jump into something that would not be edifying something that would compromise your core values and convictions. Maybe you're tempted to just jump ahead before you're properly developed and before it's time. You may need time to find out who you really are. You may need time to process grief. You may need time to go to school, to get additional training or develop emotional intelligence before you're fully ready to enter into the calling where God is placing you. The devil wanted Jesus to go straight to the kingship and skip the time of preparation. I remember when I was ordained, I was so excited about going into full-time ministry. I applied to a number of positions, associate pastor, assistant pastor, youth pastor. I didn't necessarily feel like a senior pastor position was a good fit for me at that time. But I wanted to be in some sort of senior leadership. And my friends and colleagues in ministry who were being placed in various churches were just off and running. And I'm like, well, when is it going to be my time? And maybe it was because I'm a woman as I reflect and think back. Um, I was in a cohort primarily with men, and they were being placed in churches that really did not have a lot of women in leadership. And uh, it became somewhat frustrating, and I had to get to a certain point where I just found contentment where I was, and I just rested in the Lord, understanding that God's timing was the best time. Temptation and temp uh, testing will come. The reality is that the devil in this story retreated only temporarily, but he was lying, as I like to say, in the cut for another opportunity. This is a reminder that we need not be surprised when we have these experiences. 
These wilderness experiences, these challenging experiences, times when people, places, and things may serve to uh, get us down and frustrate us, but ultimately serve to develop us for our next phase and our next season. Willene A. Johnson, who's an economist and who is a former vice president of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, someone who my uh, husband worked under, um, and he was so happy to work under her leadership. Um, it's a fact of life that people will get in your way. This is what she said. You have to just go around them, go under them, and keep on pushing. And even though we might be in our wander years, it's so important that we keep on pushing. Just as Jesus went through his test full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is within us to guide us and to give us strength. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to endure whatever hunger or longing we may be experiencing as well. I mentioned earlier that the wilderness has traditionally represented a place of wandering and searching, a place that has not been cultivated. But think about it. A couple of weeks ago, I preached about the healing power of trees and nature and water, all that sort of connected to the wilderness, even though it's not cultivated. So then the wilderness becomes a time and a place where there is potential. There is still potential, potential in the wilderness. So as I was preparing the sermon, I was thinking about this whole both and type of thing as it relates to our wilderness experiences, the wilderness, our wander years, a place of both wandering and cultivation. Even in times of our testing, God is still transforming us and God calls us their beloved in whom they are well pleased. What if we can see our time of deprivation and pain in the wilderness also as a setting for change? What if the wilderness isn't only a place of testing and challenges, but it's also a place of resilience and triumph. What if the wilderness isn't only a place of isolation and temptation, but it's both a place of enlightenment and fulfillment? What if the wilderness isn't only a place of hunger? What, is, what if it's also a place of contentment and hope and strength? As we shared in our Fierce Love book discussion the other night, what if the obstacle is the way and part of the process to maturity and transformation? Could it be that just like the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, there is meaning in the wilderness for us too? What if the Spirit leads us to these complicated, confusing places to remind us that God is still our protector, that God is still our shield, that God is still our waymaker? And we are in a place where we are being renewed day by day. We are renewed in our minds so that we can prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, 
as Romans says, you'll be able to fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I thank God for the well-formed maturity that was developed in me during my season of preparation, during those times when I was seeking positions and it was not my time. The reason being, I realize as I reflect, I could have been in a place where I would have harmed more people because my theology was not as expansive as it is now. My level of inclusion was not as expansive. I was not as open as I am now, and the allyship that I have now, I didn't have back then. So I thank God for my time of preparation and development. Remember I opened up talking about my sister and her pregnancy, and I was worried about the deforming baby? Well, turns out my sister was having false labor pains, and she was able to develop a full-term bouncing baby girl six pounds and seven ounces, and I actually had the opportunity to officiate her wedding last summer. I thank God. Her name is Imani, and Imani means faith. So remember, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you during your wander years. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.